and welcome to the 250, the podcast where we stand around in a circle like a bunch of jackasses. With me as always is my co-host Jonathan. How are you, Jonathan? I am just swell, Douglas. How are you? Just swell. Only just swell. Ah, okay. Yeah. I'm at the bottom threshold of swell. Don't talk over me. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) The intro here. What do you want me to do? Okay, I'll just... Continue. Oh, sorry, you wanted me to continue. If this is your first time tuning into the 250, <laughs> no, we've taken no, a step. <laughs> I do it! <laughs> we've taken a snapshot of IMDb's top 250 movies of all time as of January 2020 and begun watching them from number 250 through to number one. In this podcast, uh, I discuss our opinions, thoughts, and reactions to the movies within. Today's movie, spit up number 248, <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> Oh, God. Okay, well, can I read the next bit Yeah, then? you read, you read okay. the summary. All right, fine. <laughs> a mysterious stone from an ancient alien empire thrusts ex-Earthling Peter Quill and his band of intergalactic misfits into a fight for survival from a looming spacefaring threat. Guardians of the Galaxy is a film about moving on and finding family in the most unlikely of places. Sorry, I just got to cool down from that terrible intro. Uh, <laughs> never... Just Cool those jets. Never, never give off the impression that you know what you're doing, and uh, yeah, just no. go. We don't plan anything in here. <laughs> Low expectations, baby. Yeah, that's it. Um, so this film was uh, directed by James Gunn, written by James Gunn and Nicole Perlman. Um, James Gunn is uh, obviously known for Guardians of the Galaxy one and two, uh, movie forty three, and <laughs> <laughs> for you know. Uh, better off or worse <laughs> and super you've written that in here john i have no idea what super is do you, do you want to enlighten me on that it's another one of your like superheroes in the real world films so like watchmen-esque or? yeah i think it's a bit more comedy-ish um right. i wrote in super in google and it sent me to the australian tax office that's not outstanding <laughs> <laughs> is it a film it is a film Right. From 2010. Oh, it's the one with um Dwight. Oh, yeah. Rain, Rain Wilson, Wilson, right? Yeah. And Ellen oh. Page. Oh, wow. Which I gather was pretty good. Huh. Uh, he's such a mixed bag. Guiding us to, I gather, was okay. Super, right. I think, was more of a cult response. Movie 43, <laughs> I haven't watched it, but I have watched a bunch of reviews, and I'm pretty sure it's, it's uh, the worst film that's ever been created. It's a bit of a ride, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting one. I'd be interested to see uh, Super now that I'm I'm just looking uh, taking a brief skim over the wiki. Upon release, Super received generally mixed reviews from critics and only grossed about five hundred ninety three thousand dollars against a budget of two and a half million. Ooh, e- that's rough. <laughs> Making it Gunn's lowest grossing film. Yikes. So Ooh, that's a bit of a that's, yikes. That's never a something. He did oh. movie forty three. And yeah. super and super is his his lowest grossing film. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Uh, oh wait, we got old know. Nicole as well. She yeah, did, Nicole uh, She wrote for directed Pikachu, uh, directed Pikachu, detective blip, Pikachu, blip. Uh, Captain Marvel, and the Slows, which is a short film that I actually couldn't find much info on, but seemed interesting. Right. And of course, our original concept was from Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning, who wrote the original comic comics. Yeah. I um have you read any of the comics? I have not. Have you read like any Marvel comics at all or The only comic I've read in like any length is the the newest Harley Quinn one. Gotcha. Uh, but 
I don't know. The like the one that's supposed to be leading into the Child's of Prey or whatever it is. The the one that the movie that's no, coming out. No, it was Robin the New Fifty Two one, so it's maybe um, three or four okay. years old now. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But that was that was really good. I, mm. I, mm. I don't know. Comics it's, are uh, fine. <laughs> I I'm, I'm busy doing other things. Yeah, yeah. Making I mean, podcasts. There's so many other forms of uh, written literature mm-hmm. uh, that I feel like I need to read. And I'm kind of trying to smash out books at the moment more than comics, I guess. But I've read some comics the, in my time. level of... Graphic novels. Books with images in them. <laughs> yeah, no, I've uh, I've picked up a comic book or two in my time. I'm a big Spider-Man fan myself. I, oh, okay. I would, if you were to ask me who my favourite superhero is, it would uh, unquestionably be Spider-Man. So I'm, I'm happy that we are watching a Spider-Man film later on in the... 250. Oh, I didn't realize that actually. In the form of uh, Spider Man Into the Spider Verse. Oh, right. Okay. That's right. Yeah. Very happy that that's in the 250. Thoughts? What do you got on um, Guardians of the Galaxy? What'd you think? So I think we both watched this before, correct? Uh, yes. I've. This is probably my fifth or sixth time seeing it. Yeah. So. Okay. I think this is my. Probably only my second time watching it, actually. Uh, not right. that I had an issue with it the first time I watched it. Um, yeah. I mean. I don't want to become a broken record with this, but I enjoyed this film a lot as well. Mm. It's probably... I was kind of sitting down and thinking about Marvel films, and it's got to be top three for me, definitely. Wow. Um, okay. And I I think I, I think that's just because retroactively, uh, or at least partly that's because retroactively there's like a lot of... Um, or I have like a lot of disinterest in the whole... Um, the cinematic universe. I kind of got a bit tired of The overarching after plot, yeah. And, and this really separates itself as far from that as possible yeah they, they do tie it back into thanos and mm. whatever mm. but and they oh they do make some big spiel about the infinity stone being yeah there like, is a there is a lot of stuff that uh james gunn said fit more for the mcu more than it did guardians of the galaxy right okay there was stuff that i think kevin Feige obviously wanted included in this film in order for it to continue the uh, the interweaving thread that is the MCU um, in the, you know, the ultimate end game being end game. Um, and uh, yeah, I think James Gunn kind of, it's not that he had to put them in there. It's just that <laughs> it's just they'd fire him if they didn't. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like yeah. they did for like those five seconds until the internet had a fucking lashback and now he's directing the third one. Um, yeah. I also enjoy this movie. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, it's it's definitely it's so because the other Avengers films are pretty good. They do a really good job with them of kind of mix like pulling everything together. Original Iron Man, pretty good as well. What else do I like from the Marvel series? Thor Ragnarok, which is actually not on the list, but is on our bonus list. Mm. Uh, so we'll probably get around to that at some point. Spider Man Three. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's My not favorite Marvel movie. That's not officially a Marvel oh, Sony film. Shit. <laughs> um, yeah, I, a lot of them. I was just hoping I could sneak it past you. Yeah, no. <laughs> and you're like, no. yeah, yeah. It's it's, it, I, the, and it kind of holds itself above those films because you can really just sit down and watch this, and for all you care, it's completely separated from this. It's just a standalone film. It mm. does a mm. it does the best job of being standalone. Apart from Iron Man, but obviously that's because it was, I guess, technically the second film. The, it's basically the yeah. first film in the, yeah. in the franchise. Mm. So, so it's got it's got that going for it. Um, there is 
the humor in it is amazing. Yeah, really outstanding writing. But we'll, we'll go more into depth because it's not just because yeah, I find spoilers. it funny. I think the way that it's kind of written, the whole thing is written, is very, very clever. Um, mm. So, yeah, I could easily watch it again. And I probably will watch it again. I, it's, I find it unlikely that I'm going to watch the large majority of the Marvel films again, but I will probably watch this one again at some point. Yeah. So, a very, very good film. Good time. Excellent mm. time. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, totally agree. Um, Put down I've... Thor 2. Don't watch that. Stop. <laughs> For dark, what did that... Thor Dark World? <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> I still love that that movie is actually integral to stuff that happens in Infinity War and Endgame like and stuff one of like the that. Most, it's one of the most integral films to the to the plot points of that. Because it has, just... yeah, one of the uh, key Infinity Stones in it and everything. Aye, aye, aye. It's fucking phenomenal. And, th- and they have to come back to it in Endgame as well. Anyway. Um, uh, yeah, uh, keeping on track with Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes, I really enjoy <laughs> this film. I love the cast. The cast is perfectly cast. I think everyone mm. meets their characteristics perfectly everyone brings to the table all of their their own quirks and characteristics which is really good uh vin diesel is groot he brings a very honest and optimistic performance zoe saldana having already got uh avatar underneath her belt she's kind of getting down with playing alien characters i guess <laughs> and she does very well as Gabora. The the aliens are not much of a stretch in this film, except for Groot. Yeah, yeah. They're I just guess. people with different with skin paint on. But... Just, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bradley Cooper as Rocket, fucking phenomenal. I mm. I'm so in love with that fairy little bastard. He's my oh gorgeous Hot damn. boy. And uh, Chris Pratt, I think can't go wrong. Oh, he, oh, Chris. He, he really does make the character of. Peter Quill. I really think that if Chris Pratt wasn't cast as Peter Quill, it, we would have a completely different Star Lord. Mm. And yeah, Chris, I think Chris Pratt is to Guardians of the Galaxy what Ryan Reynolds is to Deadpool. Like absolutely, he's he brings so much to the table, and he's obviously very passionate about the character. And I believe in the casting process, James Gunn didn't even want to see Chris Pratt for the role. But there was an advisor that managed to get them both in the same room. And then within, thir- apparently, allegedly, within 30 seconds of uh, Chris Pratt reading for Quill, uh, James Gunn knew that that was the man. He was the one that was going to carry the mantle. So, I mean, he's yeah. pretty good. I don't, mm. yeah, it worked out. <laughs> yeah, obviously, they uh, pull it together in a amazing fashion. A very good space opera. Um not, I mean, obviously, you know, it's not on a Star Wars kind of level. Fuck Star Wars. Watch Guardians of the Galaxy. But, uh, yeah, it's, if you're looking for, <laughs> if you're looking for Star Wars with more of a humory kind of romp, Guardians of the Galaxy will fit that bill, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just a good adventure, good characters, good cast, good cinematography, uh, good soundtrack, really good soundtrack. Uh, not just the, the mixtape, um, but the... Bates, uh, Tyler Bates, is the composer of this film, yeah. as well as a couple of other uh, Guns films, including uh, Volume 2 of Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, he does a really good job of kind of interweaving those moments between the mixtape and the action, if you will. Very, very marvelly. lots of, you know, brass and string and, you know, mm. you must feel this emotion in this point in time. <laughs> but, 
there there were a couple of tracks in there where I was like, "Ooh, I'd actually like to listen to that on its own." I can't, I won't say anything for fear of giving a spoiler, but uh, yeah, just yeah, really, really nice as a whole, as a collective, as a product. Ooh, yum on. That's that's not optimal to call it like op- optimistic to call it a product. That seems very derisive. But put oh well, I don't know. I'd take cut it out. Good. Yep. Kill it. <laughs> Uh, thank you for tuning into the Chuva. <laughs> so yeah, it's been nice having you, everybody. Uh, we will see you next week. Uh-huh. All right. So I guess spoiler time. Yep. Uh, air horn. If you yeah, if you don't uh, yeah, air horn. If you don't uh, watch the film before the spoiler, then I will uh, be very angry. He's gonna write a sternly worded a st- email. I'll st- I'm gonna write a sternly worded email to the editor, who is <laughs> me, of course. Oh. <laughs> you just go with this endless paradox of you sending yourself an email and then you get like Bo-ding! and you're like who's this from and then you're like ah oh, this guy I can't believe he's done <laughs> it happens so long that I forget whether I'm trying to play the editor or the disgruntled person and then it's just get oh it's just a horrible that could be mix-up. a good film I like yeah. that can we uh, uh, we've patented this idea yep. no no one can steal it yep uh, rights registered uh, 250 limited at uh, at gmail.com gmail.com ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah spoiler time let's go so uh I guess we'll just start from the top the old uh the old opening is the old quite film. nice yep. mm. uh, Marvel just jumps straight into it there's no like opening credits or anything mm. I think the opening scene is like three minutes yeah um and, and then you get the Marvel fanfare and then you're off so yeah, exactly. They're like, Guardians of the Galaxy, and now you are with them, mm. the Guardians. Mm. There's... Actually, can we just... Uh, there's a bit at the beginning there that I just wanted to quickly touch on. Hit me with it. Um, I never got why Peter doesn't take her hand. I never understood that. I think it's just, like, childish fear or something, or... I guess. Like, if yeah. he takes her hand, then that's him admitting that she's dying? Something like that. That Which they're giving up? Which would tie back into... So, actually, sorry, I should have opened with this. Um, the film is... There's two big themes. Fuck all that story structure shit. Throw that out. <laughs> Douglas, delete delete it from the notes. No, I don't want to look at any story. No, don't do it. <laughs> um, we uh, The film is largely about, or I guess the two big takeaways, it's a big film about, about fighting grief. Yes. And yeah. it's also a film, it's, it's a very anti-Marvel, Marvel film. It's, uh, I've, I, my thoughts are Guardians of the Galaxy walked so that Deadpool could run. Yeah. Except that mm. I kind of think the Guardians did it better. There's... Uh, Deadpool is just openly fourth wall breaking. That's the joke. The joke is that he breaks the fourth wall. Whereas this is... You've got a character that's so cocky that he can be a Deadpool without... Having to break the like, fourth wall. Ha ha, yeah. wink at camera. Yeah, um, <clears throat> without it being like an episode of The Office, yeah. So yeah, you, you've got you've got Rocket who is just he does it constantly. He's got the, there's the scene where they all stand up and it's yeah. like very emotional. And then I, what does he say again? We're all sta- <laughs> I'm standing now, okay? You happy? <laughs> We're all standing around in a circle like a bunch of jackasses. <laughs> and and um, <laughs> I would like to add that the. Uh, Standing around in a circle like a bunch of jackasses. That was improved by Sean Gunn, 
who's the onset actor and brother of James Gunn. Oh, the onset oh. actor for Raccoon. So he's like the stand-in for the actors on set. And he improvised that, yeah, we're standing around in a circle like a bunch of jackasses. And then they got Bradley Cooper <laughs> to record that. And add That's so, so good. So Rocket has that bit where he's um, he's frustrated and he's kicking the grass. And he, like, he says, you're making me beat up grass, which is a little... Uh, it's absurd. It's sm- kind of a humor. smidge over the top, but it's yeah. like totally. Once again, him like commenting on this like it's not a trope, but it's like a re- you know like a repeated thing that happens in films like this where someone gets like fed up and they start punching stuff even though it's yeah. fucking stupid. Yeah, there's the bit where they're doing like that cool slow motion walk, and um and they all like kind of line up to walk down the corridor, and then Rocket's just like sitting there like adjusting his cr- like the crotch. Gamora's yawning. Yeah. <laughs> There's a bit where Nebula is like, I'm going to have a big monologue. And then she just gets fucking shot in the face. Blasted, like, yeah. Like mid monologue, <laughs> which I like, I've seen it before and it made me laugh again. It's, mm. it's, it, it's not. There's a lot of moments where, as I said, this is the sixth time I've seen it. And there's still like, I was still laughing my ass off at a lot of the jokes, which is pretty good credit to the writing and everything. Absolutely. There's, the, there's just there's all this foul language, which is wonderful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was one of my notes was, I love that they let them swear. I think it's that's so one of the best things for these characters. If you censored them, it would have felt censored, if that makes any yeah. sense. Like you can get yeah. the vibe that they would have wanted to go from that from little bit characters. extra. But, oh, Mickey Mouse can't say the bad one. So <laughs> you got to cut that. But yeah, I was, I was really happy to see some batshit crazy and bitch yeah it's good yeah my, my favorite line is is right at the end where they're like you said it yourself bitch where the guy is the galaxy, galaxy. Oh, yeah like, that's perfect you compare it to like how like toned down a lot of the other films are. i was like oh, absolutely okay. yeah i think drax calls gamora a green whore green whore yes yeah that i only called that this little... time around i was like whoa that drax. seemed a little over the top <laughs> yeah but all right um and oh, and I also liked how Drax is this character because he's like completely literal. It means they can say things like, okay, so when they first get out of the ship, he goes, I, he says, I can barely see as they get out. And if someone was like, so like someone turned the light on, if someone did that in one of the other Marvel films, it'd be like, that's not worth commenting on, dude. But he's mm. completely literal. He just he just says whatever he comes sa- to his yeah, mind. Yeah, there's no filter. He just, whatever is actually happening, he will express that it is happening. So he basically gets to act as like, like almost a like a narrator of the environment yeah, yeah, in a yeah. couple of spots, which is really, really clever. It's when they're in the probably prison not and they're, intentional. We're up in the tower and Drax is <laughs> wish to free ourselves from this earthly coil, <laughs> this <laughs> earthly confinement. <laughs> uh, so good. Such good writing for, for Drax. And they definitely recognize that in this film and then they give him so much more comedy time in the second one. Okay. They give him so much more of the the one-liner quippy kind of bits, for better or for worse. But it, I love Drax's intensity in this film. There's a lot of... I, I think you were touching on it before. One of the, film, uh, the themes of this film is that they're all losers. They've all lost something. Yeah. And the somber kind of tendencies to all of these characters isn't lost amongst all of the humour and the gaffes and guffaws and all of that. There's still that underlying, you know, they are all quite fucking sad. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, uh, Gamora's lost her family. Drax has lost his family. Peter Quill has lost his. Rocket is a 
angry, just kind of, demented yeah, he's like little torn creature. Up about yeah, trying to work out his place in the universe. Yeah, and just you know acknowledging that he's a little mongrel and everyone calls him that, and he is the only version of himself, and that's a hard gig. Um, mm, mm. And then you've just got Groot, who is just the most <clears throat> optimistic, sweet kind little boy ever and I oh, I love I the, the shot at the start when Gamora cuts his arms off and he's just kind of standing there like he's kicking his arm he's like oh. he's just kind of like looking around and like he doesn't seem distressed she like cuts his arms off and then like stabs him in the stomach yeah. as if like you do that That's to like it, a normal person done. they'd be yeah. pretty bit up but he's just kind of stunned he's it's like, hilarious oh, why would you do that <laughs> yeah that's so yeah he's I mean there's so much to work with with the characters of all the other... Sorry, like, yeah, the characters of the mm. characters mm. Um, with their backstories and stuff. So I kind of... Uh, yeah, guy could give or take Groot, but he, he is a good comedy relief character. They're all kind of comedy relief characters, but mm. he's a C-3PO kind of deal. Yeah, but there is only so much you can actually do with Groot, I guess. You can't exactly have him give a long exposition because no, he's... exactly. Uh, vocabulistics are down to I and am and Groot specifically in that order. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, it's, I, yeah, I get where you're coming from. Groot is a, a tough one to actually give more of a backstory, but yeah, for the rest of them, you do get that nice level of, I understand where these characters have all come from, why they're all together and why it makes sense for them all to be together. Mm, yeah. And it's all, uh, they're all kind of handling a pretty different type of grief as well. Mm. I, I also appreciated as far as I can tell, the film wasn't doing the, like, classic five stages of grief metaphor. Yeah, no, I wasn't vibing that, so... Mm. Which is fine. Mm. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's <laughs> fine. Um, you know, I like Annihilation. Uh, that's a good movie. <laughs> but, you know, it's obviously, it's, like, well-treaded ground. Just like, yeah. oh, the characters are a metaphor for fucking the five stages of grief. Yeah, yeah. So, so that was that was pretty cool, and... It's it gives them an obvious like you know upward movement throughout the film. Yeah, uh, and they also you know they don't get over their grief at the end. They just learn how to cope with it to some degree. To yeah, to deal. Yeah. So it's it's kind of it's kind of very cool. And they all kind of lean on each other. I think is the the end exactly target. The message is that, is that move on, uh, fuck all those dead people. <laughs> just find some friends. Yeah. I did <laughs> the bit where they were like, we've evacuated the city, like right before the fucking massive starship crashes down on the city. I was like, well, okay, you had to say that, didn't you? So then you didn't yeah. get some jackass emailing James Gunn like, yeah, but what about all the collateral damage? Is there going to be a civil war on fucking Xander? Captain America versus uh, Guardians of the Galaxy? Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> fucking civil war. Yeah. That's actually, I... I guess I'll just talk about it. Mm. Um, the I, I don't know. I got to kind of think more about my views on this, mm. but I get so fucking bored every time. It's it's because I've, I've only watched about half of Civil War, but I've watched the airport tarmac combat scene. And right. There's, so the bit where they introduce Spidey. They all line up and then they all just run each other and fight in the airport. And I'm like, as soon as that happens, I'm like, I'm so fucking Bored. I don't care. <laughs> this is right. You completely turn off. It's of that just. Shit. It totally looks like th- this is just like visual fluff. This is to show how cool the characters are. This is not fucking like anything interesting. 
Uh, it's fan service. Yeah, it's exactly. It's a whole bunch of people who have read the comics for years and years and years, and they've wanted to see all of these people punch, punch on each screen other the since they were kids, and seeing them all charge at each other with climactic music and all battling each other because they are all good guys, mm. um, quote unquote. Mm. Uh, seeing them all duke it out is... I don't know. I I thought it was cool. I don't but... care. I I just yeah. switch off. But and and that's obviously that's uh I wanted to tie that back into. Um, I feel like that's a a thing that happens a lot in Marvel films, and mm. I just I just completely turn off. You switch off. So and a, right. a lot of them, it's not a massive issue, especially the origin film. There's normally only one on one fights or like one on two or something, and this film is. Mostly pretty good for that. Uh, there's generally only one or two people fighting, except like near the end. Mm. So I wasn't too dumb with that, but I did get to the end. They're like all f- when they're all fighting in- inside the ship. I was like, I'm not interested. Whatever. I'm gonna look at. Right. I'm gonna so go look at the background. Why do you Why do you get disinterested? Is it because there's no emotional? You perceive there to be no emotional tendon. Th- like there's any no emotional threat. need for the fight. There's no threat or something because it's like when you have a big fight like that. If you have a good one-on-one fight. You can start, you can kind of communicate things like, oh, this, obviously this one character is like starting to get beaten down and you can see it's kind of tracking towards one pe- one person winning or they might like get the upper hand because of something else that's unforeseen. You can do that very well. When you have like four people fighting in parallel, it's just like, okay, we're going to, I'm going to wait for five minutes. One person's going to punch one person into uh, a giant rotating industrial fan. And then someone's going to get kicked into the path of a moving car. And then uh, they're going to bash some people's brains in and blah, 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 blah. Right. So it's just predictable for you is where you... And then the interesting stuff happens at the end. It's like, okay, now, you know, someone is mortally wounded or they succeed or, you know, whatever. It's it's just fluff on the inside. I a lot of the time it might just be i don't know i might just be being a windy little bastard i'm not sure no nah, i can i can see where you're coming from so like just the predictability of the action so, yeah. sequences for you makes you turn off because they feel like they don't have stakes a lot of the time sure because like it's expected that the good guy is going to win no matter what so it doesn't really matter how you get from point a to point b point b is always going to be the good guys winning yeah if we're not in the last 15 minutes of the film yeah yeah i, I don't know that it's i there's something about that i think that's probably part that's probably most of the way of an explanation mm. but i i just get to this i just not yeah what anyway and and you just turn off right and, that's i but actually find this film that is pretty light on those okay yes yeah. For some reason, I find the spaceship fights quite as boring. I don't know what's up with that. A lot of the fisticuffs fights are driven by emotions, I think. So The black dude with the robot things on the side of his head. Black dude with the robot. Uh, Korath is the character's name. And they like fight him and a bunch of goons. And then they kill him and then they move on. And it's like, ah. Mm. Like, it doesn't have a major effect on the story in any way. And it doesn't, it doesn't further the themes of the film or cause any growth in the characters or anything. They just fight for five minutes and rip the side of this dude's head off. Like, I mean, they did kind of have to tie off that character, though, because if you... Yeah, I know, but... If you just kind of left him out for then the rest of the film, then you would have had people going, well, wait, what happened to Mr. Man who yeah. got Star-Lord back at the beginning? And then you get that kind of thing where he's like, Star-Lord, and then, I don't know, I thought that was neat for him to... I think my issue is just that, that yeah, it's not it's not furthering anything. It's if you, if you wrote that character into a more background role and cut that... Okay, 
yeah that uh scene out that yeah that scene out you wouldn't really lose heaps you wouldn't i i don't think you'd really lose anything whereas there's other things where right where there is things like yeah the the guy's like he oh wait that is the guy who calls him star lord isn't it yeah yeah you could you but you could put that somewhere else you know you yeah so sure. you know i anyway and the, the other one was when yondu like lands and he uses a little whistling needle thing to like kill all the guys and I was like, yeah, that is very visually mm. interesting. Okay, it's over. <laughs> but you don't feel like it at... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but a lot of the things... So, I, I, you know, they had that... um, The whole star chase thing, the, the spaceship chase thing. It furthers the characters. He self-sacrifices to to save Gamora, et cetera, et cetera, you know. So, so that... I found that a lot more interesting... And then the right, okay. Obviously, the the prison yard had a big end goal, so that was fine. Yeah, for me, the the prison yard bit was still yeah, establishing exactly. characters, which I enjoyed. Like, I completely forgot about Groot sticking his roots up the That's dude's so nostrils gnarly. and lifting him into the air, <laughs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I actually, like, had to cover my nose because I was like, oh, God. But, like, for me, I was saying it to um, uh, my partner, Alia. I was, she was on FaceTime while I was watching that bit. Um, and I was like, wow, these guys are actually dangerous. Like, I like that they reinforce that Groot and Rocket, again, they do have that whole guffaw and, you know, ho, ho, ho. Yeah. But they are criminals. Yeah. And they are dangerous. Like, they have killed people for less than fucking someone calling Rocket <laughs> yeah. a vermin, you know. Um, they are dangerous characters, so I really liked how they reinforced that Groot can just fucking lift a guy from the uh, a discount background orc from Lord of the Rings up into the air through his nostrils. Lift him up by his sinuses. Uh, give him severe <laughs> nostril damage. Um yeah, I just I thought that was cool. Yeah, I I actually did like that. I thought that was quite interesting. Because um, again, as you say, that furthers the characters along. That makes you go, okay, these guys are not to fucking be trifled with. Like you know, um, they've they can defend themselves. Uh, and Groot is fucking nigh on indestructible, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, you know, he does die in the end, but it takes. A, a bit of work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even then, he's not dead. He, you know, they just pick up a stick and he's back. I think he actually, he actually, before the fight, seeds that little Groot, I'm pretty sure. Because when they're all getting ready, he grows like a little flower out the side of his face and like plucks it. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Uh-huh. I, uh-huh. I thought that was a, a cute little continuity uh-huh. bit. Uh-huh. I enjoyed uh-huh. that. Um, the film, I guess we'll talk about the music. Um, yeah. Yep. It was... Uh, I, I think it... I don't know. It would be nice if they used it consistently as like a... I guess a leitmotif isn't the wrong word, but... Uh, isn't the right word, but kind of like a callback to um, something like Quill's mother. But it is still uh, definitely, you know, I don't dislike having it there. I think it's once again one of those... Um, yeah, talking about the music, uh, the the awesome mix, volume one. Um, I think this movie is diegetic sound to end all diegetic sound. Um, do you know what diegetic sound is? Remind me what diegetic sound is, Douglas. 
diegetic sound is when the characters can hear what the audience is hearing. Right. Okay. So when all of the like, uh, fucking what is it? The first one, um, the one that Peter Quill is dancing around to in the in the opening. Uh, come and, is it come and get your love? No. Down, 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 down. Oh, down. yes. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, that is diegetic sound because Peter Quill is listening to the song and he's dancing around to it, and we're hearing the the track. And pretty much all circumstances of uh, the awesome mix are diegetic sounds. So which whenever any of those songs sense. are playing, the characters are listening to it and reacting to it. I made a um, I made a note that it was mostly used during um, shots where they're flying between places, which makes sense because he has the stereo inside the ship. Inside the ship, bingo bongo. Yeah. And then when it's not, it's in the Walkman. It's, yeah. Um, so, huh, yeah, okay. I don't know. I just really enjoyed that. That's really clever. Yeah, I thought that was a, a, a good way, a logical way of squeezing those songs into... A film like this mm. and i think it also kind of grounds peter quill as a more human character Mm-mm. when he's surrounded by all of these aliens and larger than life spaceships and characters and things like that i think the music really kind of ties him back to or ties the audience to go he's just a kid basically yeah like he has no superpowers he doesn't well you know as far as we know for the, the majority of the first film he has no superpowers he has no insane upbringing or anything like that he's basically batman yeah he doesn't yeah, actually shit he is. his power is his technology yeah and his ability to be a smooth talker be an incredible negotiator and be a leader be able to pull people together and get everyone on the same page mm-hmm. the only reason that the whole guardians of the galaxy actually stick together for so long is because peter quill can manage to negotiate with all of them and go okay how does this meet everyone's interest? How can I make sure that everyone is happy with the deal that we're doing? And you can see that constantly throughout the film. He's like, okay, uh, you don't like this shit. All right, well, uh, money, money. We're getting the money. And then, you know, Drax is like, I don't need money. And then he's like, they're Ronan then. Like, you know, he's always trying to find that way of keeping the whole gang together, which I think is, mm. uh, again, another very humanistic uh, trait to Peter Quill. Um, yeah. And you can see his his ego uh, kind of it 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 fluctuates throughout the film. I think there are moments where he gets like super fucking egotistic, yeah. And then there are moments where he kind of he simmers out a little bit more. And then I think throughout the process of the MCU, he really grows a lot as a character um, in terms of his ego and everything. Oh yeah, he has that. Ma- I mean, he grows a heap in uh, I think it was Endgame. Yeah, yeah. Endgame and Infinity War, he really wises up big time, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'd, I, if I didn't love Spider-Man as much as I did, Star-Lord would be my my second best. Oh, that's cool. Uh, just for the level of depth that his character has and the room for growth, I think, is really interesting. Which is nice for a comedy character. Yeah, and the idea of a kid being up in space around, you know, all this larger-than-life stuff and he's just kind of... He's being a kid, um, <laughs> which I think is, I don't know, it's kind of admirable and sweet, if not yeah, childish yeah. at times. And He's constantly making uh, making references to, 
like things that there's no way that aliens would like understand. Yeah, yeah. and um, and they're all very dated references as well. Yeah, Earth's social cues are alien to aliens. Yeah, I liked that. Like him doing the the finger to the throat thing. Um, <laughs> of course, that wouldn't make sense to Drax because that's presumably not a thing in space. As well as you know all of the metaphors, similes, things like that. Yeah. One that caught me was. Uh, Quill calling Rocket Ranger Rick. Oh, yeah. Do you know what that's referenced to? Uh, it's... I don't know. <laughs> I do know. I do know. Okay. It was a uh, children's nature magazine in America. Oh. And they had a raccoon mascot oh, for, wow. <laughs> for that magazine. Published by the United States National Wildlife Reserve, I believe, um, for years and years and years. And yeah, this magazine had Ranger Rick, who was this raccoon uh, mascot. So That's amazing. I Yeah, I looked that up uh, for the purpose of... Because I remember him saying it when I first watched the film and I was like, Wait, what the hell is Ranger Rick? It's, <laughs> it sounds funny, but why is it funny? <laughs> I had that thought and then I did not follow it up. <laughs> um yeah uh, uh i was very interested by uh like the use of color and the use of light and dark in there so there's mm, a pretty mm. constant there's you've got the i don't know what that planet he's on at the start is but that planet as well as the dark aster which is ronan's ship are yep. both just completely like gray and bleak very rocky looking very like harsh textures all through it and then you've got uh, Xandar, which is all kind of bright and green. White and, and gold. White, yeah. and there's blue sky and blue sea. And then in amongst... Oh, and you've also got, uh, like, there's a couple of industrial areas, and they use kind of more metallic textures and a lot of yellows for, like, safety signs and stuff like... um, Just, like, industrial grime and stuff. Mm. So I don't know how much they were intended to be used as, like, themes there, but... That those were big common things, and then in amongst all of that, there was just huge amounts of really bright colors. So yeah, yeah, a lot of the ships will have little, you know, bright electronic readouts. There'll be uh, on the planet at the start, you know, everything's very grey, but the sky is all like red, and I think you can see like a nebula or something. Yeah, um, there's a lot of uh, purples and reds and stuff on the dark aster and things like that. So it's a lot more saturated than the last two films we've watched yeah yeah definitely the big teal and orange color grading Mm, there's uh a lot uh of that (laughs) yep yep which you know i think it works i think the film is trying to make itself a lot more lighthearted and a lot more bright and interesting so that totally pans out well yeah 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 it's a much more visually interesting than some of the other stuff and it's you know it still uses a lot of like dull grey palettes and stuff where necessary but it doesn't actually overuse them or anything which was really, really I liked nice. the rustic colours of Nowhere I really liked oh god I love that the general aesthetic of Nowhere that was whole, very interesting oh that location is so mm. good <laughs> it's kind of like the Tortuga of Guardians of the Galaxy which uh-huh. is I don't know that's a neat idea to yeah. me it's just this um, giant head that they're, like, mining for, like, brain matter and yeah, spinal yeah. fluid. How mm. fucking cool is that? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I really, really, really love sci-fi that. Sci-fi as fuck. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Definitely the um, sort of shit you'd find in, like, a $2 sci-fi novel. At, yeah, exactly. Old bookstore somewhere. The old um, space prism is really cool. As yeah. As, like, a location. Yeah. It's, like, floating in an asteroid field. Mm. Um, 
the uh, the Dark Aster ship, I like that design a lot. It's kind mm. of what's the um that big boxy ship in um a Hitchhiker's Guide. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the uh the the boring race of aliens that I forget the name of. They all have yeah. these big like rectangular prism ships. Yeah, yeah. Or, uh, oh, which, uh, I need to watch that movie again. That's that mov- movie. That movie. Oh, oh. We, yeah. Okay, that should go on the bonus list as we well. We got it. Yeah, yeah. That that's a very stops. mixed one, but I I like it a lot. Yeah, I I I'm in that movie for Martin Freeman purely. I I honestly like so much of it. And anyway, I don't want to get in too deep that's, on that one. Yeah, that, uh, stay tuned to that one for. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's gone on the list. A like, lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> There's some interesting stuff with um, camera work. There's obviously loads of like big, like extra wide shots because you've got all these like colossal things going on. Yeah. Got this giant, you know, the head of this giant celestial body. Uh, the dark Aster ship is like shit. I don't even know, like how you would convey the size of that in like comparison to like everyday objects it's supposed to be massive it's like yeah star destroyer type size Mm. there's also a lot of like fun stuff i think so whenever rocket brings up his gun and it starts to like wind up it like telescopes out and i think there's like a bit of a it's a bit of a dolly zoom or a bit of a change in focus so which really like accentuates uh, how it's kind of it's basically like cartoony how ridiculous yeah. these guns constantly yeah, are yeah so i i thought that was really fun I, the cinematography otherwise was pretty standard marvel i guess the extreme wide shots are pretty standard marvel as well yeah. kind of standard yeah. mm-hmm. uh family action film type stuff mm. uh, but i did find that like a cute little note they were really like rocket is like such a larger than life character he's yep. uh it ties back into everything about him mm. and i do like that rocket isn't just the comic relief like they do give him as i've said before they give him that level of depth of him being this lab rat basically mm. um that gives you a little bit more of an emotional connotation to bond with him rather than like ha, ha, rocket <laughs> funny lacoon say the funny thing ha, ha, ha. um you actually do get that oh i actually kind of feel for you and i don't want anything to happen to you yeah 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 i don't know i think that's nice he's a pretty deep character i they, mm. yeah, once again they all they all are they're all mm. very mm. very impressively written characters which i like a lot there was mm. a potential to basically just do another fucking you know a suicide squad before it happened where the characters are just like there yeah you know yeah. one character's one character's superpower is that he gets his head blown up yeah you know this mm. is every, everyone has a very specific role to play and both like kind of action wise yeah um but are also their own very unique character which um ties up pretty yep. well with the uh with the whole thing yep um there's some moments that i this this movie is very i just found myself just writing down moments moments yeah. that well where i'm like oh fuck that's so good ah just, that bit's good that bit's good so i just kind of want to just list these ad lib just so i can get them out of the way i actually i have a note which says stop writing down one-liners yeah so i'm yeah. just gonna let you do that because i actually stopped and then there, you can then chime non-stop. in and say whether you got them too <laughs> yeah the musical timing of quill whacking the dude listening to the music the, the prison oh, guard yeah. who's listening to the music and he fucking whacks him like right on cue with like a snare drum or something in the music and then it cuts. Yeah. Fucking amazing. Um, the blacklight bit 
the bit where he's like, oh, she has no idea if you brought black light in this place to look like a Jackson Pollock painting. That's right. Yeah, that's another one of those like callbacks that wouldn't make sense to an alien. That was ad-libbed, by the way, by Right, Chris okay, Pratt. yeah. That was an ad-lib line. That's a very Chris Pratt line. Absolutely. Yondu doing his bleh, 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 bleh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the buyers like try yeah. to talk him over him. <laughs> And then the guy behind you doing like that little snicker and then it jump cuts back to that shoulder um, shot. I don't know. I just, that was really funny. I really liked when they're, uh, when Rocket is like talking about the, um, the things that he needs for the escape. You can yeah. hear him when he says, I need that prosthetic leg. He's like containing Already a laugh, which is yeah. only something you would get the second time you watch it. It's hilarious. Oh God. Uh, the... Uh, a bit with Rocket and Groot lighting up the prison, so Rocket do- like doing the "Salut to my little friend," like blasting the prison up, and like they're both yelling, <laughs> and then that smash cut to Quill with the dude with the prosthetic oh, yeah. and the guy going, "Holy shit! You want my what?" <laughs> um, the just Benicio fucking Del Toro. Yes, I mean, he's Ugh. like Liberace in space. What more Ugh. can you fucking say? Um, he's amazing. Uh. Fucking Footloose. What? Who? Whose idea was it to <laughs> to have Peter Quill talk about fucking Footloose? She's like, I'm a warrior and an assassin, and I don't dance. And then yeah. he's like, Well, we have legend about <laughs> dancers on Earth. A brave man by the name of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> Uh, because it, it's a tie back it happens I think when they crash crash their ship into the dark aster she's like it's yes. just like Footloose yeah 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 and um, oh, oh and that bit uh, Drax just loving danger whenever he's in danger he's like oh, yeah. laughing his ass off yeah 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 the best just so funny because you get the rest of the, the shots of everyone like freaking the fuck out and then you just get Drax in the back like oh yeah woo <laughs> Um, <laughs> so good. Um, um, I I just loved um, uh, Peter Serafinowicz. I think that's yes! how you pronounce his name. Oh, I love. I, I uh, bloody Shaun of the Dead. Good guy. I forgot. Um, I completely forgot like, he was in this film. Like, what a bunch of a holes when yeah. they're like when they're like getting their um photo taken uh, at yeah, the lineup. Yeah. The mugshot. Yeah. Uh, in the in the mugshot bit, I paused on. Uh, Peter Quill's one to look at the criminal records mm. and one of the charges is uh, one count of illegal manipulation of a Grimotian duchess <laughs> <laughs> and like the rest of them are also normal it's like one count of fraud <laughs> one count of assault like yeah, okay. 13 <laughs> counts of public intoxication or something like that and then you just get that illegal manipulation of That's Grimotian so duchess and I'm like what the hell is illegal manipulation? <laughs> oh, you know what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, fucking. What else have I got here? Um, ma, ma, ma. I liked to give a shit. I thought that was a really powerful moment in That's that cute. when they're all you know talking about the uh, Peter Quill is trying to rally everyone and get everyone together again and he says you know we actually have a chance here and Drax says to what and then Peter Quill says to give a shit I was like oh yes ah nice raw very good (laughs) um I uh, a little this is this is such a like dumb fucking uh thing to notice but uh John C. Riley's character he is corpse corp corpsman day 
and then he gets promoted at the end of the film to like it's like denurian or something like yeah. the weird fucking bizarre <laughs> it's uh, probably it's military, probably a real military rank but ranking, he gets promoted yeah. Which is just like such a weird thing to bring up, but I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> all right, you you got provided for doing basically jack shit, but I uh... there's there's that one scene in the prison <laughs> where they basically cover Chris uh, Chris Pratt in like tanning oil, yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> and he's just like the steam coming off of him, and he's like ripped, <laughs> and I was just like, uh, uh, I mean, yeah, 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 give the people what they want, I guess, yeah, yeah. <laughs> This is a fucking bizarre choice, but okay. Um, speaking of uh, Chris Pratt's form, mm. um, he was, prior to being cast as Peter Quill, he was putting on weight for another role. I think it was The Daily Man. I'm pretty sure it was, it was some oh, okay. role in... Anyway, some role in another film that he was putting he, on he weight He goes for. back and forth a lot because he was in um, uh, Parks and Recreation as well and he Correct, plays like... Go. A lazy fat shit in that. Yeah. <laughs> when he got cast as Peter Quill, he said to James Gunn, Give me six months and I can lose 50 pounds. Yeah. And he ended up losing 60 pounds Whew. in the span of six months. So he shaved 27 kilos. Um, in That's six such months. an actor move, though. I think there's like a lot of Ugh. actors who just like, their, their fucking weight just like, and their like muscle mass just like crazy. Or, uh, uh, f- fucking seesaws. <laughs> I I mixed up zigzag and, and seesaw. seesaw. Yeah. That's a bit of an interesting Zigsaw. one. Yeah, seesaw. <laughs> that could be the uh, the villain of a space novella, sci-fi a novella, space uh, body Opera. horror film. What space body horror? Like jigsaw. Ah, oh, jigsaw yeah. in space. Why hasn't anyone yeah. done that yet? Well, I guess Alien. Because there was, I gather, one good Jigsaw movie. <laughs> well, yeah. The first one, the rest of them shit. We don't, need a, we don't need to push that any further. Yeah, fucking uh, Rocket getting head scratches. That got me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Tim, you know, crying over Groot's stick and then Drax sitting down and just Rocket's reaction. Like, I doubt, highly doubt anyone has ever scratched his head before. He wouldn't have let anyone scratch his head. Mm. And his like kind of shock and like what is this and then the the relaxation of like oh, okay this is actually kind of nice <laughs> just ah <laughs> oh. oh, it's really sweet oh. and he like his tail like relaxes and everything oh and, wow oh i don't know that was really nice they do jam a lot into the end though like the the denouement is like really like uh okay so just letting you know there's a volume two that's coming quill's dad also letting you know drax isn't done because thanos is around the corner uh and uh the infinity stone is being locked away but not really um yeah i don't know there was there was a lot of stuff that they had to squeeze into that denouement and it shows it's uh yeah it's I, I that's like the most egregious part of the film is where they're just like now we have to tie it back to the other ones mm, to keep mm. some relevance. I was like, oh, I don't fucking care. Yeah, I <laughs> just keep, okay. So, give me my standalone film. Yeah, I'm I'm getting the sense that you don't care for the MCU as an overall product. I think it's interesting, but it's definitely I was. It's just, a very interesting thing. It just for film. went so long. Yeah. It, okay. It just tired me, and I was like, you know, you got, you got the end sick of, of hearing about it. Yeah. So by the time Endgame came around, you were like, thank fuck. <laughs> they were lucky that Endgame and uh, Infinity War was Didn't so good. Flop. Because, yeah. fuck. because they, that really bolstered up. They were very oh, uninterested. There's like 
nearly a decade and a half of yeah, build-up. Purely for those two films, which oh, I mean, we'll get to that later on in the two five zero. It would be fucking... interesting if someone if someone did like a cut of they they basically just like trimmed down a bunch of these films so that a uh, it was just stuff that was kind of pertinent to like watching to the solo film. Yeah, I feel like I feel like you could like cut down Thor too, so it's um. A bit less fucking stupid. You probably, mm. unfortunately, would be able to completely get rid of Thor Ragnarok because I don't think that has that much play into the later films, but mm. stuff, stuff like that. Get yeah. rid of Iron Man 2. Fuck that shit. Yeah, <laughs> good old <laughs> Iron get, Man 2. Probably get rid of Iron Man 3 as well. The middle child. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, that's a that's a cracker of a film. <sighs> Yikes. Um, that was a boring film. Oh, Jesus Christ. God. Yeah, I was... Oh. Uh, quite got- quite had enough sorry have you got anything else for GOG I not really do you have any trivia I do I have uh, some very interesting trivial bits that I <laughs> found in a little bit of digging around um, an interesting thing that I found with the writing process um, obviously it was written by uh, as we stated at the beginning of the podcast written by James Gunn and Nicole Perlman uh, Nicole Perlman was the original writer of the screenplay and okay. uh, because she was enrolled in Marvel's screenwriting program in 2009 and they were basically the the people who were a part of the program were offered to just research any of Marvel's uh, franchises so like whatever they had any within comic their comic book range or, yeah. yeah and just try and write a scheme play see what uh, you could whip out of it and hmm. Nicole Perlman chose Guardians of the Galaxy due to her interest in uh, space and science fiction and um, she just thought it would be a little more different um, than what everyone else was kind of bringing to the table Which it, to- it totally is absolutely that's what makes it so special is it's completely fucking different film to the ones that were coming around at that time yep yep and it's Actually, very refreshing I should look it up in like it's order in the MCU mm. Um, Perlman spent two years writing a draft and she completely immersed herself in the Guardians universe. So she read up on all the comics, she understood all of the characters inside and out. And then in uh, late 2011, she was asked to create another draft. And then Gunn was brought in in early 2012 to contribute to the script. But then Gunn eventually ended up rewriting the script entirely stating it didn't work for him. Um, And he uh, said that he used uh, the film The Dirty Dozen as a reference to convey the ideas and themes uh, to Marvel. So what he wanted to bring uh, out of Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. Uh, Gunn later explained that Perlman's draft was very different from the script he used during filming, uh, including different story, character arcs, and no Walkman. Um, huh. So Gunn was the one who brought in the idea of the awesome mix and all of that jazz. Oh, um, okay. He stated in Nicole's script, everything is pretty different. It's not about the same stuff, but that's how the WGA works, which is the um, Writers Guild Academy. Uh, they like first writers an awful lot, he said. So, right. Um, in August 2012, Marvel Studios hired writer Chris McCoy to rewrite Perlman's script as well. Um, however, it is unclear what contribution he had to the final script since he didn't receive any production credit. Right. So, I don't know. That's a little bit sketch. Logically but, pretty minor. Um, yeah, so I, I, don't know. I just... 
I just looked this up in terms of uh, the cinematic universe. It's a mm. phase two film. Correct. And it shares it shares that phase with Iron Man 3, <laughs> Thor The Dark World. <laughs> okay, The Winter Soldier was all right. Actually, yeah, no, The Winter yeah. Soldier is pretty good. Yeah, I like Winter Soldier. Age of Ultron. Blech. And Ant-Man, which I gather was fine. Mm. Would have been better it's, with uh, fucking Steven Wright, though. Just saying. It's a shining light in amongst just some... Just some pretty, pretty fucking lackluster average films. films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely no wonder that it uh, took off as well as it did. I think mm. um, it, it was that. That's what makes it so different to the shit that was happening at the same time. Because yep. what was happening was a bunch of shit films. Yeah, yeah. And Winter Soldier. And Winter Soldier. Yeah, which is yeah. I yeah. I like Winter Soldier. I think Winter Soldier was like actually Bucky quite Barnes cool because it takes mwah, good character. It takes a yeah. It takes a completely different uh, approach again. Little, yeah, that's a little more real world. I think it's like a very. It's like a. It's more thrillery actually. Mm. Yeah, 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 more thriller than action. Definitely, mm. I think. Uh, anyway, um, he found Gun found trouble introducing Thanos. Um, he found just character introduction, uh, introductions as a whole to be really hard to nail. Right. Um, but, uh, Thanos, um, as I stated, it was, um, it was more help. He said it was more helpful to MCU than it was to the actual film. Um, but he still wanted Thanos in the film without actually belittling Ronan. Um, right, okay. so to solve that little problem, uh, Gunn had Ronan kill the other, which was Thanos's vizier. Because he uh, said, quote, I thought that was interesting because we've had the other, who's obviously very powerful, even in comparison to Loki, and then we see Ronan wipe his ass with him. So yeah. that I liked, but even that was sort of difficult because it played as funnier when I first wrote it and the humour didn't work so much. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, in the in the scene that ends up in the film, I think that's very well deserved, you know. Um, you've got Thanos' back to, uh, to Ronan and the the other is just gibbering and jabbering on and um then yeah ronan just fucking snaps his neck like she a just snaps his neck yeah like a twig and <laughs> then uh that grabs thanos's attention um what else have i got in the way of trivia there's a interesting um consideration for some of the actors uh in this film particularly the the male uh cast um in uh uh, November of uh, 2012, Joel Edgerton, Jack Huston, Jim Sturgis, and Eddie Redmayne signed deals to test for the role of Peter Quill. Um, oh, wow. As did Lee Pace, who ends up playing Ronan. Um, and uh, other actors uh, considered uh, for a role um, were Zachary Levi, who was in Thor The Dark World, um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Michael Rosenbaum, and John Gallagher Jr., um, that would have been interesting. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Chris Pat landed the role in February of 2013, a part of a, the multi-film deal, which kind of, you know, at the moment, if you're a, a lead in a Marvel film, it's kind of you're blocking away about five years of your life. Uh, but it is a bunch seems, of mansions you get at the back end that's, of that. That's so true, yeah. That's that, pretty sick. That sweet paycheck at the end is uh, <laughs> nothing to bat an eyelid about. Um, it was also disclosed that uh, filmmakers were looking at actors including Hugh Laurie, Alan Rickman, and Ken Watanabe for the film. Alan, 
Alan Rickman. Yeah. Oh, for the film. For the film. Not as, uh, not as Peter Quill, though. No, 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 no. Just as characters <laughs> That would be a film. weird Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, uh, no, because that's crazy. Relax. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, uh, I did a bit of Googling around. Um, there's the scene on Nowhere where Groot gives um, the little girl a flower. Yep. That is supposed to be a reference to the Frankenstein film from the 30s. Oh, wow. Uh, goes a lot differently uh, because in the Frankenstein film, uh, I think he gives her a flower or she gives him a flower and they start throwing flowers into a lake. Uh, and then Frankenstein decides to throw the girl in a lake and she drowns. <laughs> so that is a very oh different God. outcome. Yeah. I mean, Fra- it's a wild movie, Frankenstein. Wow. I yeah. got <laughs> Um Gamora's backstory, or at least the way that she was presented by Zoe Saldana, um, was based off of a piece of media. I actually didn't look it up. Or maybe just the concept of the Lost Boys of Sudan, oh, which were a okay. similar kind of backstory. These these boys who were basically taken from their families as their like village was just slaughtered, which is really horrible. Yeah. Um, mm. But a, an interesting kind of inspiration for a character, and she does really pull that off. I, Absolutely. I think oh, she's got such like a cool arc with that. Mm, yeah, her whole relationship with Thanos, and yeah, back, over the back whole and forth. MCU is yeah. very, very cool, very believable. Um, and then she gets fucking killed at the end because uh, I actually am like super unpleased about that. I didn't, I didn't really like that. It made sense for Thanos, but I was like, okay, great. Just fucking Good work on spoiling Endgame. You might want to cut that. (sighs) We just spoiled... This is is the podcast of spoiling other films. Yeah. So, we spoiled the last last Star Wars and the other one. Cool. (laughs) I mean, yeah, true, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Some other tidbits on the Awesome Mix Volume 1, which was the album that was released, uh, which mirrors Quill's mixtape. Yep. Um, It, by August of 2014... It topped the Billboard 200 chart. Wow. So, number one. Um, oh, it topped it? Yes. No, that's crazy. It was the first soundtrack album in history consisting entirely of previously released songs. I was going to say, yeah. Hollywood Records also released a cassette version of the soundtrack on November 28th of 2014. That's so cool. As an exclusive to Record Store Day participants. And the cassette, which is the first cassette Disney Music Group has released since 2003 also comes with a digital download version of the album. Um, <laughs> for all those people that were yeah, thinking of buying it. Fuckheads that, that yeah just get that digital <laughs> buy it for the so you can be cool and vintage to your fucking friends <laughs> and still want to listen you to the thing fu- anyway. Yeah fuckers. Yeah, because you don't have a Walkman. Uh, interesting bit about the budget. In January 2015, Disney revealed that the film came in, quote, slightly over the agreed budget Mm -hmm. at uh, $232.3 million, with Disney receiving a rebate of $36.4 million from the British government. Oh, okay. It was previously estimated to have a $170 million budget, so they went $60 million over budget. Was it filmed in... Oh, filming continuing in London. Yep. Filmed at Shepparton Studios. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I guess a sound floor is a sound floor, so... Yeah. You know, yeah. do it where, do it wherever do it they'll where you fucking... Want. They can all get yeah. together, I guess. Whatever, whatever fucking local government will pay <laughs> yeah, you, just yeah. go for it, man. Go for it. I wanted to 
give shout out to I love whenever physical effects and special makeup effects and things like that get used in films I really love praising that because Mm -hmm. I really like that in a film I think the reliance on CGI is a little alarming sometimes and it's we're getting we're getting better we're getting better yeah but yeah I I like praising when practical effects and makeup effects are used because I yeah I just think it's great um Mm. Zoe Saldana was the the instigator for having Gamora in uh makeup and physical effects uh they initially wanted to have her CGI'd but then um Zoe Saldana argued the idea of her having physical and practical makeup um which big thumbs up definitely worked out um in my opinion the special effects makeup designer david white uh took head and body casts of all the actors such as david bautista um to experiment with materials used to create the characters um white said quote james always pushed for practical and makeup effects he wanted like me to see the real deal there on set um which i think i can agree with as a performer and an actor i feel much better in the clobber that the character is in whenever i'm performing um i struggle to rehearse when when we're getting close to the performance date or you know if we're rehearsing on set or something like that i feel much better wearing what the character would wear um because i feel more i don't know just grounded in the character and then it helps for the director and everyone else to kind of just see the bigger picture i think Mm. um Mm. and all the other actors on set as well it kind of just it gets everyone more in the mood i reckon so uh, did they use practical effects for Rocket then? Was it just a raccoon running around? I swear to God, I'm going to stab you in the <laughs> fucking nuts, Jonathan. That would be great. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Um, they got like the behind the scenes and instead of being like a walking raccoon, it's st- a raccoon just hanging out. God. <laughs> they did model, uh, They modelled Rocket on a real raccoon. Uh, for the okay, CGI. that makes sense. And yeah, they used mocap. He was stuff, called so. um, Oreo. The, the raccoon was called Oreo. Aww. Cutest, cute little button. Aww. Um, back on makeup, David Wyatt was careful not to use, quote, modern creature designs uh, to ensure that they did not fall short in Gunn's uniquely envisioned world. Wyatt and his team created upwards of 1,000 prosthetic makeup applications. Wow. And 2,000 molds of different coloured aliens. Jeez. So that's some fucking Lord of the Rings level shit. Of, yeah, that's um, some serious business. Prosthetics, so... Um, oh god, I can't wait to watch Lord of the Rings and gawk over all those fucking. Oh yeah, that's effects. just like they are just. Ugh, I gotta watch that like four, 14 hours of behind the scenes yeah. that get fucking brought out with each of the DVDs ugh. again. Yes, please. Oh. I love that shit. Just <laughs> injected into my veins directly. I'm a junkie, baby. baby give me those. Give me more. Give me those DVD extras. <laughs> give me that Peter Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> or Jacko, old Jackie boy. That's all I had for trivia. So we should watch The Hobbit as like a oh God. anti. Do we have anti two fifty? Do we have to? Oh. We should wa- we should watch the Nega two fifty after we finish this series, <laughs> and we just <laughs> we go start from doing films like that are worst. bad to worse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh, yo, yo. There's an idea. Jot that down that, on the, on the mm, blackboard. No, actually, I'm not going to. No? Sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. Yeah. Well, Don't take that, it personally. That idea lived as quickly as it died. Um, mm. Is it because it's terrible? Yeah. Just like this. Spoiler films. alert. Yes. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, that's about all I had. Are you uh, are you happy? Yeah, I'm super happy. Um, um, obviously, I think I'm. Yeah, no, 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 go for it. <laughs> oh fuck! <laughs> Not you, I insist. <laughs> no, no, no. 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 Uh, I think our next film is a bit more, a bit more fucking depressing. I can't, I can't entirely remember what yeah. the next film is. It's the it's the Algier one, isn't it? I believe it is. Yes, Battle of Algiers, nineteen sixty six. Um, yeah, it should be fun. It's a drama, so um, strap in for that one next week. Um, mm. Is that a, a foreign film subtitles? I don't know. I'm about ninety percent sure it is ninety. Um, yeah, apparently that's an intense one. So we'll, we'll have uh, a, a fun right. talk uh, next week. Um, Thank you, Darky. But uh, yeah, thank you for tuning into the two five zero and. Yeah, we look forward to seeing you real soon. Bloody hit your desk. Hit the like you Everyone it. hit your desk. If you're sitting Everyone at the desk, hit, desk. hit it. Hit the desk. <laughs> hit the poop desk. Hit the... What? <laughs> See you later. <laughs> See you, kids. <laughs> uh, real strong ending there. <laughs> real strong ending. <laughs>